everybody, and welcome to Metaphysicians, the meeting ground of religion, spirituality, and healthcare. This podcast will explore the impact of our deepest beliefs and commitments on how we imagine and practice medicine. Back in October 2018, an outbreak of measles, one of the most contagious diseases known to man, began in New York City. It was the worst outbreak the city had seen in three decades. By the time it was declared over in September of 2019, over 600 cases had been recorded, mostly within the borough of Brooklyn. And even as city officials announced their jurisdiction's clean bill of health, surrounding counties would battle on for weeks. The outbreaks in and around New York City were linked mainly with ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities, where vaccination rates had declined, making the communities susceptible to the outbreak. During the outbreak, state officials voted to eliminate religious exemptions for vaccinations. Much of the debate surrounding the issue was couched in terms of individual religious freedom versus the public's health and well-being. Yet, very few religious communities outright ban vaccinations for their adherents. Within the Orthodox community, research showed that vaccination rates had diminished, less so because of religious compulsion, and more so because of misinformation and misrepresentation of vaccine safety profiles. But the general attitude I sensed in the midst of the outbreak was that this was another instance of the opposition between religious belief and scientific medicine. I think it's worth exploring these topics in more depth. On this episode, we'll chat about the role of religious moral convictions and how they affect the practice of medicine. I'm approaching this topic through the lens of religious conversion. When someone undergoes a conversion, how does he or she navigate and adopt a new moral framework? What happens when something that was once disagreeable now demands agreement because of changing religious views? Here to discuss these questions with me are two students who have found themselves in the midst of changing beliefs. Adam is an MD-PhD student, and Chris is a medical student at NYU. Thanks for joining me on the show, you guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, Josh. So both of you guys went through periods of time where your religious views changed. Can you tell me what that process was like? So like Josh said, I'm a 24-year-old second-year medical student, and completely unrelated to my uh, pursuits in medicine. I was raised in an evangelical Protestant Christian household, and it was a very sincere upbringing. I, you know, I want to start with that. When I think to what I was taught by my parents, uh, our church, everything in that experience brought me closer to an understanding of what I wanted to build my moral framework on. I was definitely motivated by seeing that it was important to my parents. It was important to everyone around me. And so I kind of had that background. And then as I grew older, you know, like most people, I started to ask more questions and like kind of butt up against the edges of, of what I was taught was going to be truth. You know, this feels like a, I'm reciting every American teenager's story. Um, but that like, for me, yeah, I guess the part that makes me weird is that it wasn't like oh, I'm going to like rebel against this, you know, restrictive idea of what I'm allowed to do now that I'm 16 and I have a car. It was more like, oh, I'm 18 and I just feel weird because I know that there's issues I'm having uh, understanding the sort of central tenets of Protestantism. And I wanted to like either go away, even though I was 
desperately awkward and had no idea how to rebel and walk away completely. That was like not an option in my sort of list of, of things I could do. Um, or I wanted to like find a place that I really felt like I could get a grasp on what was going on. And so in college, I went around visiting many, many different churches. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of, I guess, Protestant mosaicism is that you can go around and see different variations on a theme without really feeling uncomfortable. You know, there's sort of this, at least in the 21st century, there's this understanding that we all believe the same central tenets and that we can visit each other's churches freely. Um, that goes for all churches, of course, except for Catholic churches, uh, who I was taught implicitly or explicitly growing up were sort of off the beaten path, uh, wrong, and often missing the point. But for me, I ended up making a very close friend who invited me. And when I started getting to know the Catholic faith as an individual, and as I met the other students at the student center and the priest there, I realized that there was like something much more personal to it uh, than what I had expected. And not only that, these ideas that I had been taught to fear about authority, about religion, about the history, actually made it that much more understandable to me and helped me build my personal faith uh, as opposed to sort of stifling it, which is what I think I had understood before uh, was that it would be stifled in that kind of environment. So I, yeah, I continued pursuing it and getting to know it better. And here I am today. I would say that I was brought up in a home that was maybe nominally Christian uh, in that we had, I think I was taught this set of beliefs from when I was very young that there was some sort of God. Um, and this was a personal God whom you could pray to and you might get into heaven if you're good and you might go to hell if you're bad. When I started to explore that a little more and question that maybe around in middle school. I just, I felt like I couldn't see how it could be true. And clinging to something that was true is very important to me. So I had a lot of trouble seeing how any kind of like faith-based worldview could be true. And I felt much more comfortable with like an atheistic worldview just because it seemed to make more sense. I think it is, it's like a coherent and a consistent worldview in and of itself. And so I was very comfortable with that. I really liked science and that framework of knowledge gathering and like the constant reassessment of whether something is true, uh, whether it holds, uh, whether it could be true based on the evidence that's available to you. So that not only was a professional ambition, but kind of shaped the way that I looked at the world and shaped that worldview. So I pursued that path and made science my career, kind of put everything I had into that. And, and I would say the same thing, the same um, desire to understand and to get at the truth was what began to bring me to faith. I, I mean, I, you look around in the world and many people subscribe to like theistic worldviews, obviously, and Christian worldviews, especially. And you see the effects of Christianity and the influence it's had on Western civilization. Uh, so I thought that I better understand it at the very least. And so I started to explore Christianity a little bit more and, and kind of went straight to scripture. I had this feeling that 
perhaps many of the contemporary churches and religious organizations have taken scripture and like twisted it for their own purposes. Uh, that was my thought at the time. So I wanted to go straight to scripture itself. I think, yeah, I would say that that was kind of a turning point to see that what I really, what I thought about Christianity uh, wasn't all that true. Um, and that scripture was quite different from like the Christian religion that I had envisioned. I started to understand those worldviews a little bit better, um, how I felt that they were a little bit more true than what I had believed as an atheist. And also I looked at other people who were of faith and saw or saw that I, I really respected the way they lived their lives um, and kind of asked myself, and there was a part of it that I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand how they live their lives this way. Uh, and so that also drove me to scripture and, and eventually to church where I was surprised by the accessibility of Christianity. So uh, I had thought that even going to church, you know, this probably isn't for me, right? Like I can read about it and I can understand it and I can understand why people believe what they do. But ultimately, I don't think there's a place for me in the church. Um, and the church that I had gone to, focused on presenting Christianity for people who uh, were not of faith and uh, seeing it through that lens made it clear to me that in fact Christianity is can be for everyone um, and I would say that was another turning point and that was probably the hardest one for me going from like this is Christianity in theory and like this is something that uh, I could be a part of. What would you say was the biggest change that you saw in yourself or perhaps the most difficult challenge you had to navigate as you found yourself becoming part of the church? I think that's a great question. And that's a question that I ask myself all the time because that change happened in like a, a period with a lot of transitions for me. Um, so there was a lot in my personal life and then also uh, like coming to medical school, starting again in a new city. So there were quite a few changes, and, and so it's hard to like deconvolute them and see what was due to the change in affiliation and, and what was just due to changes in life uh, and life circumstances. Sometimes I, I wonder if enough has changed, actually, because I, I don't feel many times I don't feel like there's been this big outward change. Uh, I feel like I'm still doing the same career. Many of the goals that I have professionally are the same. Perhaps some of the way I spend my time is the same. And, and I question whether that is inadequate, I guess, because I question whether such a, a big shift in worldviews um, and in how I define myself should have also been accompanied by a big outward shift. Looking back, I think there, there were changes, most of them internal, uh, I would say, certainly a, a big shift to focus on relationships. Maybe that was the biggest one and and a shift in motivation for doing things. Yeah, I guess overall a shift internally uh, and a focus on the things that happen internally. So in the past, I might say that my external actions are the only ones that matter. And so if I do something nice for someone else, then that's a good thing. But looking internally, you have to question like, what was the what was the purpose of that? Like if, if in the end there was a selfish motivation for whatever that was, then that's still probably a problem. And that's something that I don't want to be doing. And I think the, the shift to that thinking was something that changed because you shift from like just the physical world mattering and 
the effects of your actions mattering to what's on your heart, uh, what's on the hearts of others mattering. And Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think honestly of things that weren't changed as I began to to shift my affiliation. You know, while this the central understanding of Christ and the need for redemption and the general sort of fallen state of the world, like like I said, my my upbringing uh, really prepared me to develop my own understanding of the faith and enter the Catholic Church. Um, it changed, I think, the way that I interact with one and way, the way I interact with religion and two, obviously, the way I interact with a lot of different uh, people. Um, I'm very fortunate in that my family is really accepting and like understanding that as I have grown, that this is something that I've come to find beauty and truth in. And they've been very supportive in that. But I do recognize that um, there are a lot of people who go through similar transitions to me who find their families may be a little distant or like may never want to come visit a mass with them or, you know, maybe more skeptical of, of my new affiliation to the Catholic Church. I think sometimes rightly so, the Catholic Church has a lot of people on edge because it is, you know, like many other institutions, a large institution run by flawed human beings who unfortunately have selfish motivations over the past several hundred years. And so there have been lots of times in that history where uh, people in the name of the Catholic Church, unfortunately, have made very egregious decisions. And so I think kind of aligning myself to that at a time, especially at a time in, in popular culture where it's, I think, particularly an un, undesirable affiliation in, in many people's eyes has been something I'm just sort of wary about. I think, um, yeah, it's it's definitely something aw I'm aware that by aligning myself to this, I'm opening myself up to a lot of questions. How do I feel about this? How do I feel about that? Um, what's my response to whatever crisis it may be at the time. Yeah. So if aligning yourself to this institution opens you up to questions of different sorts, then why are you choosing to be a part of this community? What value do you derive from it? Yeah. In my, in my mind, it's like a very beautiful and, and storied history that I really find a lot of comfort in being able to say, okay, and this is the crisis I'm facing today. Let me see how Catholics have faced it through history. And, you know, that history is all written down, cataloged, and recorded on like very poorly laid out websites. And you can go find it and read about it. Or, you know, there's a catechism which many people also think is outdated, but it references the scriptures and it references also a lot of situations you come across in, in daily life. And I have personally found that very comforting to be able to turn to those resources and sort of feel like I'm building on all that history as I try to make decisions. You know, unfortunately, it's not like everyone's on the same page. I don't think that should be come as a surprise to anyone. But, um, you know, there are as many controversies and Dis disagreements within the Catholic Church as there are outside of it. But to know that there is still sort of a central um, authority and a central 
understanding of the fact that we are attempting to be a universal church is comforting and there is a lot there. When disagreements arise, how do you determine which authoritative body you listen to? Like, do you automatically give more weight to the decrees that come from the Vatican or perhaps, uh, you know, give more deference to the local community that you're a part of? You know, what's, what's your calculus here? I think it's hard to say because, like I mentioned before, finding a personal understanding and like a personal, you know, really getting into an issue and understanding one, why the church takes whatever stance it takes. And then to be able to explain it, because like you put this label on yourself, you're asked for explanations is really important. And you're only going to do that well, if you actually have taken the time to understand and believe something yourself. So not to sound like I'm dodging your question, but ultimately I adhere to what rings true to me. And I think that was a big thing that led me towards Catholicism was this idea that there's a large consistent body of teaching and that consistency uh, was something I was really striving after. And so, you know, any sort of major moral issue, whether it's the value of human life or whether it's, well, I mean, I guess a lot of things come down to different aspects of the value of human life, whether it's how we treat people when they're sick or how we treat people when they're uh, impoverished. You know, I find that you you turn towards towards the the body that's been like sort of stood the test of time. And so all that being said, um, the sort of local, the local skirmishes between like different parishes or priests or whoever has the best like summer crab festival, I feel like they actually, they detract uh, much more from this idea of, of a universal church, which is, is so important to me. Adam, I wanted to return to a point that you were making earlier about how many of the changes you experienced as you were becoming a Christian uh, were internally oriented. And while that's true, I think we can't ignore the fact that there are teachings within the church that affect the public sphere. Um, and so were you comfortable with adopting those views as your own? You know, were there certain views that you had to say to yourself, well, I, I guess I can't believe this anymore if I'm to be a Christian um, as you were becoming one? Were you comfortable with the amount of authority that the church had over you in terms of in, in terms of dictating these views, perhaps especially on controversial topics? Well, in a way that's easier for Protestants because there's many different, uh, many different frameworks. Uh, they're all subtly different, especially on these issues where there's a tremendous amount of societal pressure. I think that there are certain core beliefs and certain core morals that you can't deviate from. And then some things that are a little more in flux. And I mean, you might argue are yeah, I guess the classic answer I get is like that it's not an issue of salvation. Uh, so I I don't have fully formed opinions on many of those things. Yeah, you know, I hope you'll let me push you a little bit because I think there are many issues and questions that religious people ask themselves, uh, which don't 
have to do with their salvation, but are affected by their moral stances. Um, so, you know, for instance, let's say I'm out buying pants and I'm between two options, uh, one of which is more expensive than the other. The pair of pants that I end up getting, uh, you know, doesn't affect my relationship with God, uh, which I would say is the way you would judge whether an issue deals with salvation. Um, but my choice is affected by my moral beliefs. For me, you know, if buying the expensive pants uh, would make me hesitate or unable to fulfill um, some sort of moral obligation or responsibility to another person, then I think I would have a hard time justifying that purchase. Um, you know, so in my mind, there's an internal moral stance born out of my religious beliefs that affects the way I conduct myself in the public sphere. Um, anyway, what I'm getting at is whether the sorts of internal moral realignments that occurred during your religious conversion affected your stance on controversial topics like abortion or euthanasia. Yeah, I mean, I think abortion is kind of like, I don't think of it as a strictly religious issue. And I also don't think that there's like a dichotomy where non-religious people are pro-choice and where religious people are pro-life, even though it may seem that way. I think I actually began to question this issue even before uh, I would say I became Christian. You know, I had grown up always being pro-choice and I started to question whether I still believed that. I'm really conflicted on it. Um, I have trouble seeing why there are no moral issues with a pro-choice position. And yeah, I haven't really heard many explanations that like have been able to convince me of that. Of course, there there will always be a need for abortions in under certain circumstances. But I guess the question for me is if it's really just a choice. Honestly, like topics like that, I think detract from the question itself about like changing moral alignments. Right. But isn't it possible that they lead there? I think they do lead there. But I think that when you start to talk about things where people like have already staked out strong positions, then like you you move away. Yeah, it's difficult to discuss the underlying issue, which is that of like moral realignment in this case, right? Because then if you start talking about like moral realignment with respect to abortion, then like all people think of is like what they think about abortion, I think. And I think if you start conversations and go down that road, the road will always end there. And like, that's not, then you won't answer that underlying question, which is a little more subtle and interesting, in my personal opinion. The idea of being forced to, by affiliating myself with a group, to be affiliated with that group's views, I think that as soon as you, you know, look under the cover at all of, of Catholicism, this idea of the centralness of human dignity in that we are all created in the likeness of God, regardless of, of our station, of our disability, of our access to education or, or food or anything like that. The idea of putting each life on an equal playing field and saying like, this person deserves a shot is very central. And so I haven't had an issue. I don't have an issue aligning myself to that. I guess the second thing I would say there is that my dad always told me that you can't tell yourself you believe something. You can sort of read it and like learn to repeat it, but either you believe it or you don't. You know, I found that very jarring at first because that was at a time in my life where I was like, well, I guess I don't believe all these things that I'm, you know, saying. Um, and then when I 
moved into like understanding the Catholic Church and like opening the book on that, I started to say like, oh no, I do believe this. Like this Catholic understanding of the value of of human life, especially in these issues that come up in medicine so much, uh, is extremely consistent. Um, and you know, maybe it's my place as a twenty something idealist right now, but like that consistency was something it was easy for me to say, oh, I believe that. I don't have to like convince myself I believe that. I might have to convince other people that it's consistent if that occasion were to arise. I certainly don't feel the need to be aggressive about it. But I think that that at its core, if you're willing to listen to it, there's there's consistency in this idea of sort of the unbroken existence from of human dignity in, in each life from beginning to end and like how we apply that and what that looks like on a sociological level and like these are all very complex questions but like the simple moral at the center of it is something i've never had a problem looking at and say oh i believe that that's almost intuitive um to my understanding of my faith so what do you think are the moral realignments that you've made or are making you know to sort of give an example from my own life um I recently ran into a man outside of Bellevue Hospital who uh, was asking for money to buy insulin. And, you know, I, my initial reaction was that there's no way that this guy could be telling the truth. I'm not going to give him the $30 that he needed. Um, and so I, I, I basically I lied to him and told him I didn't have any money on me when, in fact, I did. Um, I offered to you know go buy him a coffee and just uh, chat for a little bit. And actually, in the process of talking to him, I realized that he was telling the truth, um, that he really had every intention of buying insulin with whatever money I would give him. Um, and so I ended up giving him the money and uh, and kind of facing myself a little bit because you know I didn't like the fact that my first inclination towards this man was to lie. Um, and so I think I had a little bit of a kind of an internal moral realignment to say, you know, in the future, if this were to occur again, uh, instead of lying, I would uh, instead be honest with the person and say, you know, I'm not comfortable giving you the money. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you need it? Which is, you know, basically what happened in this situation. Um, and so I guess I'm, you know, to harp on this question again, I wonder, and I'm wrestling with this myself, uh, you know, do these small moral realignments that occur because of my religious identity um, end up affecting uh, my views on, you know, the the bigger questions, the more controversial questions um, at play in our field. That almost sounds to me like um, the realignment of priorities. And I'm comfortable talking about that, comfortable kind of going against the grain in that regard. But I, yeah, I don't know if I, if there are any more, if there are any like deeper moral views that I would say I've undergone a, a complete realignment and also am comfortable uh, standing firm in that realigned position because I've thought about it, because I think it's grounded in solid theology, and because I truly believe it. I don't know that that's quite happened yet. I wonder if that is something that's supposed to happen. Like, certainly, I don't have a story of walking down the street and someone asking me for money and me doing something other than walking away and like pretending I didn't hear it and like feeling a little bit guilty about it, but still not turning back and doing anything about it. Maybe that's something that's to come. Um, yeah, I guess there's like a, an increasing comfort that I have with wrestling with imperfections and like areas where I fall short. Like I, I would probably talk to my friends and say like, look, there's a situation where somebody 
asked me for money um, or somebody asked me for food and I was carrying like a bunch of food back from the hospital that I got for free, but I really wanted it for lunch the next day. And so I didn't give it to them. And I don't know, they might say, oh, it's like, fine. Like that's what everyone would do. But I don't think that I should be looking to what everybody is doing, right? Like that could be, maybe that could be my benchmark before, um, but certainly it shouldn't be my benchmark now. Yeah, I like that idea of, you know, changing benchmarks where, uh, you know, even if we are not comfortable or fully aligned with a particular benchmark that's been set forth by your religious community, it's something that we're negotiating. It's something that we're figuring out. So in my head, you know, religious morals, they're not these hard, rigid rules as uh, as it's easy to make them out to be, but um, in fact need to be believed first off and then uh, brought into our lived experience and practiced and refined. And Chris, I wanted to end with one last question for you as someone who's on the wards now. What's been your experience with spiritual care? You know, to go back to my uh, Catholic moral social teaching shtick, at its most basic level, spiritual care is making your patient feel like you're seeing them for who they are, um, as opposed to as a list of their medical problems. I remember when I was applying to medical school, I met a friend who was a radiation oncologist in Baltimore, and I was, you know, your standard pre-med, desperate for shadowing experiences to get put on my little application. And so I reached out and I asked to shadow and I went one day and I was really struck by the doctor. She was very in tune with her patients and she was aware of what was appropriate and how she could kind of get closer to them and understanding of their spiritual needs without breaking some sort of bond of uh, professionalism. So I remember pretty clearly it almost seems like a, a made-up story, but you know, we saw three patients, and the first one brought a Bible with them, and the doctor, you know, she saw that as an in to be like, you know, like this is a really tough disease, but she like tapped the person's Bible, but she said like, but this will help you get through it, and I was really struck by that because you know you could just ignore what book the person is reading. And then she had another person who came in and was wearing a clergy collar and so was also clearly religious. And so she like... Tapped the collar. <laughs> yeah, she just grabbed the... No, she... I don't remember if she asked anything about his prayer life, but they were comfortable speaking about that because in a way, by the patient's presentation, they had said like, this is a part of, of who I am. Honestly, in my first month on the wards, I have not had anyone with a very outward show of Christianity. And I think that speaks to, to how Christianity presents in the 21st century. Most of these, if not all of these interactions have been guided by the attending. So I haven't, I haven't really gone down that route, but I would, that's something I, it's definitely something I aspire to. And then the interactions I have had, the patients I have been given to follow my sort of next best thing is really to just make sure they know that I'm there for them in more to just like get the information I want out of them. I make every effort to not appear in a rush so that I can, if they want to bring up something that's less medical, they feel comfortable. You know, I try to go back and visit later in the afternoon 
which again is maybe a privilege of being a medical student, having more time. Um, but those kinds of things I think make the patients feel more comfortable. And then like, if there is some sort of emotional or spiritual need, that relationship is more established to like bring it up, even though I haven't had that interaction yet. 